the Old Testament, Isaiah 6, 1 through 13. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among the people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. Then I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. He said, go and tell this people, be ever hearing, be never understanding, be ever seeing, be never perceiving. Make the heart of his people calloused. Make their dull and close their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. Then I say, for how long, Lord? And he answered, until the cities lie ruined and without inhabitants, until the houses are left deserted and the fields ruined and ravaged, until the Lord has sent everyone far away and the land is utterly forsaken, and through a tenth remains in the land. And though a tenth remains in the land, it will be again be laid waste. But as the terebinth, And oak leave stumps where they are cut down, so the holy seed will be the stump in the land. Luke 5, 1 through 11. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gisenaret, the people were crowded around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. 
So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Thanks, Jared. Thank you, Jared, for reading God's Word for us this morning. And we're going to actually look at both of those passages. So if you have your Bibles, just open them to Isaiah 6 and Luke 5. And um, as Jennifer mentioned, all the scriptures and questions are in your bulletin. But on the back of your bulletin, it's blank. So if you could take that out, I've got a couple things that will be on the screen, quotes and other things. If you want to write those down, there's a pen in front of you, so you can grab that. And we will dive into God's Word as we journey through his word together, and, and uh, our time is going quick, but I'll tell you, the, the presence of the Lord has been here strong, and he did, he did a mighty work today in our lives, and you're going to be amazed at how what the Holy Spirit was speaking, and no one could know this, but is going to tie into the word of God being preached today because it's just how the Holy Spirit works. He, he puts songs and words and sermons together, even though we don't meet beforehand to talk about it, but that's how God works. And when he's at work, when the Holy Spirit's at work, it's, it's holy ground. Uh, he's doing something mighty. And I do want to uh, just, and I'll just say this quickly, I want to thank everybody who gave a word today um, for being obedient to the Lord. Thank you for doing that. And uh, uh, never be afraid. Um, and if it's out of order, I'll tell you, but usually the Holy Spirit's moving, and it's awesome, and it's wonderful. And so thank you for being obedient to the Lord, because that is more important than anything. God's saying, who's, who's there? Who's available? And I love it when we raise our hand. That's what happens in our scriptures today, so we'll look at that together in just a moment. There are um, defining moments in every generation. Moments that are unforgettable. I think of my dad's generation, and, and for him, and I've heard him talk about this in the past, that a defining moment for his generation was the attack on Pearl Harbor. That that changed uh, the direction that our nation was going and the direction of the war, and really all of human history was changed from that attack. For the generation after him, it would probably be the Kennedy assassination or the landing on the moon that kind of changed everything in just a moment. For my generation, it was September 11th, a day that changed how we live our lives and, and everything about us. There's these defining moments in every generation. And other people may not understand because they weren't alive or they may not have it impact them, but they're defining moments that we'll never forget. And then there's defining moments in our personal lives. The day we got married is a defining moment. The day our children arrive, those are defining moments. The day you graduated, the day that you got that dream job, those are defining moments in our life that change everything for us. But all, not all defining moments are happy moments, right? I mean, a lot of what we just talked about in our history as a nation and as a world, those weren't positive moments. And so there are defining moments in our personal lives that can be difficult. The day that the marriage isn't working anymore. The day that you lose that dream job. Those are difficult days, but they're also defining moments. And how do we respond 
to defining moments in our life. And we read two today, Jared read two, in the life of Isaiah and in the life of Peter. These are defining moments for these two guys. The, the first one, Isaiah, it happens while he's at church. And for Peter, his defining moment when he was at work. And in each case, they were called, they were cleansed, and they were commissioned. Isaiah's defining moment in Isaiah chapter 6 is when King Uzziah died. And at that moment, everything changed because Uzziah had been a good king. One of the few good guys in the Old Testament, one of the few good kings. And he had reigned for a really long time because he became king when he was very, very young. And now things are starting to unravel. After him, it kind of goes in the wrong direction direction. It's going downhill in a hurry, and I won't read it for you again, but if you look at Isaiah chapter 6, if you have it open, it's at that moment when King Uzziah died and and all of human history is going to change for Israel, that that's when he says, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. The train of his robe filled the temple. The, The seraphim that were there, they're angels. These aren't the cute little angels that you see on pictures These are mighty angels with six wings covering their eyes and their feet, and with two they flew. And Don Piper was just here a few weekends ago, and he talked about heaven, and he said how you could hear the the wings of the angels and the powerful sound that that made. And they're singing back and forth. These angels are, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Just that, that powerful moment that Isaiah finds himself in, he sees God high and lifted up, and he realizes that, that he's in trouble because it's so loud. It, it says that, that the ground is shaking. There's smoke that fills the temple. The very glory and presence of God is with him, and how does he respond? He says, in the New Living Translation, it's all over. <laughs> King James says, woe is me, but he's like, no, this is, oh, I'm, he's scared to death. Sometimes in the presence of the Lord, we get scared to death because we see how powerful he is, how holy he is. It's like moments today, I, you just want to stand there. I, I, I know I'm the pastor, but I don't even know what to do. You just stand there, and, and I sense that God wanted to speak something, so we're just going to wait and listen to him speak. And you just, those holy moments, and he finds himself in it, and he says it's all over because he realized who he was in the light of a holy God. He realized his sinfulness. He realized his brokenness. And I think that's true for all of us when we experience the presence of God. We realize how mighty he is and how sinful we are. And whether it be the story of Isaiah or the story of Peter that's coming up or the story of our life, listen to me, you can't clean yourself up for God. Okay? It's God who comes in this story and cleanses Isaiah. He wasn't worthy to stand in his presence, but God loved him and called him and said, okay, I'm gonna gonna clean you up. I'm gonna make you holy. The only way you'll be clean is if God does it. And for us today in our story, not in Isaiah's story, but for our story, the only way we'll be clean is through the blood that Jesus shed on the cross for our sins. That's how we're made clean. He says, you are holy. You 
have been taken care of. He removes the guilt, the shame, and he makes us holy. It's a gift that comes from him. Over and over again, it's described as this gift from God. It's nothing that we can do. I read this quote this week, and I love it. It comes from C.H. Spurgeon. He's called the Prince of Preachers. And here's the quote from C.H. Spurgeon. Holiness is not the way to Christ. Christ is the way to holiness. Holiness is not the way to Christ. Christ is the way to holiness. We don't clean ourselves up so that we can go to God. We go to God so that he can clean us up. He's the one that cleanses us. And when we're in his presence, as Isaiah was, we need to realize it's, it's God doing the work in that moment. We don't need to be doing anything in that moment. We need to be receiving in that moment. We also realize in this passage that our true calling becomes clear when we're close to God. Isaiah realized his true calling when he was close to God, when he was in God's presence, when he was listening to God's voice, when we listen to God's word, when we are near to him, that's when we'll receive our calling. And that's when he'll make us worthy of our calling. I need to be close to God. If, if I want to be the husband I'm supposed to be, I need to be close to God. If I'm going to be the father I'm supposed to be, the friend I'm supposed to be, the pastor I'm supposed to be, I need to be close to God because when I'm close to God, he equips me for my calling. And that's what he did for Isaiah here. When he got close to God, God says, I've got a job for you to do. There's a calling on your life, Isaiah. And in Isaiah's case, it may be like your case where the defining moment in your life is a difficult moment. And the defining moment in Isaiah's life is very difficult. God says, I'm going to choose you to proclaim to the nation that I'm going to destroy them. And I'm going to destroy everything about them. Even the remnant, the tithe that remains behind, they will be destroyed. Everything will be laid to waste. And so Isaiah's defining moment wasn't a happy one. It was going to be a life of rejection. It was going to be a life of people not wanting to hear the truth, not wanting to listen to him. That this was the moment they were going to lose absolutely everything, including Isaiah. And that was his defining moment. And God says, you're going to proclaim judgment. But I, what I, I love about God is that God is so big in that moment. Isaiah got a, a picture of his presence that he went ahead with the calling because he knew his God was big and there's always hope in God. Because even in the, the prediction in Isaiah 6, as Jared read, that everything will be laid bare, that very last verse of chapter 6 says that there will be a holy seed rising out of a stump. So the picture is a forest that has been leveled, completely leveled, just nothing but stumps. That's what's going to happen to you. But you know what's going to happen? There's going to be a seed that sprouts out of a stump, and that forest will be reborn. It's not all over. I've got a plan. It's going to be good. And, and even in that defining moment that was difficult, he knew that he could put his hope in God. Let me tell you, if your defining moment is a, is a bad defining moment, put your hope in God. 
There's a holy seed in that defining moment that's going to sprout out, and he's going to work everything together for good. It may look like it's laid bare, but there's hope in a holy, powerful God. And when we're in his presence, we realize, God, you are really bigger than my bad moments. He is planting a holy seed. In our New Testament reading, Peter's uh, happens at a bad day at work. That's his defining moment in his life. And, and he's out fishing, and we know that. He doesn't catch anything. And, and it, it's funny because, you know, Jesus is in, he's using his boat as the, the platform. And so imagine if I'm in the boat, this is water, you're on the shoreline. This is like Jesus preaching to everybody out there, and he's in the boat, and Jesus is preaching to them. And uh, when he gets done teaching, he's like, Peter, it's time to go back out and, and fish again. And that's kind of a, a moment where Peter could get a little agitated at Jesus and say, no, we were just out there all night long, Jesus. He could have rejected Jesus. He could have refused Jesus. When Jesus says, no, go out. You're going to go out and throw your nets out again. But he doesn't. And I think of all the reasons in, in Peter's mind why he could have said no to Jesus. First of all, he's tired. He's tired. He's, he has been doing this all night. They haven't caught anything. They've just put everything away. And it's time to go to bed now, Jesus. I just want to go home. He's also frustrated. Because he, he's tried to do it. And he failed. How many of you, when you fail, you feel like, let's try this again? <laughs> Jesus say, no, do it again. I, I don't want to do it again, Jesus. I just, I just failed at this. And, and maybe you're like, I, I failed at this. I, I, my defining, defining moment is a bad defining moment. I don't want to try this again. And Peter, if there's one thing Peter knows, and, and Peter is not a bright guy, but if there's one thing he knows about, it's fishing. Right? I mean, he grew up on the Sea of Galilee. He's been doing this his whole life since he was a little boy. He, if there's one thing he knows about in life is fishing. And, and you don't fish in the heat of the day. And you don't go out to deep waters. You do it when, when the sun hasn't come up. And you do it in shallow waters. And that's how you catch fish. And it's hard enough to catch fish at that time because we didn't catch anything. But, but now, Jesus, you're telling us to do this. And he's probably thinking, Jesus... You grew up as a carpenter, and tell you what, if I ever need a table, I'm coming to you. You know, um, thank you very much. And, and you're a really good teacher. Like, the stuff you were saying in my boat, fantastic, Jesus. But if there's one thing, Jesus, I know about, it's fishing. And you'd say, well, I would never say that to God. Listen, we've all lived our life long enough. We know how life works. And we could say, God, you, you don't know how my life works. I know how my life works. So, uh, you know, Jesus, if there's one thing I know, I don't know a lot, but if there's one thing I know, I know how my life works. And, and so, Jesus, if there's one area I don't need your help in, it's fishing. But the crowd's out there. Peter's in the boat. They're watching. What will Peter do? Well, amazingly, Peter is willing to obey. He gives a mild objection. Jesus, we've already tried this, but he says this, and I love this. And you, this is something you might want to underline in your Bible. It's like, but master, because you say so. I love that. Master, because you said so. I don't really want to do this. 
I've already failed it. I don't really want it, but because you say so. And he calls him master. We use the word Lord, that Jesus is the Lord of our life. In the context here, that means he's the captain of his ship. Even though Peter owned the boat, that was his whole life. He says, no, you're the captain of my ship. He's saying, Jesus, I know a lot about fishing, but listen, you're in charge, not me. Wow. I know a lot about life, God, because I've been living it. But not me. You're in charge. Whatever you say, God. And Peter trusted Jesus with his life. And so hungry and tired and frustrated, Peter heads back out to fish. And he gets the catch of a lifetime. And this is something I want you to write down. It's this, that Jesus blesses those who follow him. Jesus blesses those who follow him. The simple part of discipleship, although it's not simple to do, but the simple part of discipleship is just obedience. Because you say so, God. Because your word says so. Whatever you say, God, you are the captain of my ship. Even if you've already failed in the past, Keep following, keep obeying, because God blesses those who follow him. Jesus blesses those who follow him. And then, just like in our story of Isaiah, it happens to Peter. He realizes he's in the presence of God. And what, just, like, just like Isaiah said, I'm in trouble. It's all over. Peter does the same thing. He's like, just, just go away from me, Lord. I'm so sinful, I'm, I'm so broken, because again, when you're in the presence of God, something, you just realize who you are and who he is, and, and so Peter has that same thing. It's like, God, I'm not, I'm not worthy. And I find that interesting because, because Peter knew who Jesus was. This isn't like his first time with Jesus. We, we know from John, the beginning of John, that, that Peter has spent a lot of time with Jesus, so he's seen the miracles Jesus has done, and he's heard the teaching. He's, he's already experienced it, but, but for the first time now, God shows up in his life. And that changes everything. He just realizes, okay, God, I'm not worthy of this at all, but, but yet it becomes the defining moment in his life. Because Jesus had more for Peter. And let me tell you, wherever you sit today, God has more for you. If you are alive and you are listening to me and you're still breathing, God has more for you. He just does. You know, and so he had more for Peter. And he says, Peter, get up. Because Peter's going to do this a lot. He's like, oh, Lord, I'm not worthy. Don't worry about it, Peter. I'm going to make you worthy. And guess what? I'm going to place a calling on your life, and you're not going to fish any fish for fish anymore. You're going to fish for men. And, and what it literally means in the Greek is that you're going to capture men alive. You're going, to, you're going to fish for men. You're going to capture them alive. And in that defining moment, Peter leaves everything behind and follows Jesus. And God changes the world. The defining moment in Peter's life changed human history. And God's got something big for Peter to do, and he's got something big for you to do. Peter got this. And so when he writes toward the end of his life his epistles, which are amazing epistles, I'm just going to read one verse, and I'd like you to let it kind of sink into your heart. I'm going to read it from the Passion Translation. So it might be a little different than what you're reading in your Bible. But it's 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 2, and it'll be on the screen. You are not forgotten, 
for you have been chosen and destined by Father God. The Holy Spirit has set you apart to be God's holy ones, obedient followers of Jesus Christ, who have been gloriously sprinkled with his blood. May God's delightful grace and peace cascade over you many times over. Okay, look at the verse that's on the screen, and look what Peter's saying, because this was true for Peter's life. This is what he experienced in his defining moment, and his, what we are to experience in our defining moments with God, is that you are chosen and you are destined. It is not an accident that you find yourself in the presence of God, that you are chosen and destined for a purpose, that the Holy Spirit has set you apart. He's the one that makes us holy. We don't make ourselves holy. God makes us holy. Our job, what is it? To be obedient followers. Just as Peter was, he left everything and followed. Obedient followers of Jesus Christ have been gloriously sprinkled with his blood. Again, it's not what we've done. It's what Christ has done for us, that we can have God's grace cascading over our lives. Peter got it. He realized it, and that's the truth for us today. That's the verse for us, as you've been chosen and destined, set apart, made holy, cleansed by the blood, and you are now called to be obedient. That's our calling. And so three words I'd like you to write down as we, as we come to a conclusion today. And these three words are called, cleansed, and commissioned. I want to talk about each one, so they'll be on the screen. And, and I'll talk about each one. If you want to write some things down, you can. But this is just what God is doing in our hearts today. That we are called when we're close to God. You will find your calling when you're close to him. You will not find your destiny apart from him. You'll find it when you're close to him. He will call you. He will lay his burden on you. And so we can't find our calling apart from him. It's interesting, for my life story, I never wanted to be a pastor. Never. Wasn't even on the radar. Never thought about it. And, and, and it took, after high school, someone saying, you know, I, I think you'd be a good pastor. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> Trust me. No, I wouldn't. I would not. That's not. Nope. That's other people. That's my dad. He's a good pastor. And I, I, didn't, I didn't even feel that. And then I heard it from someone else and someone else. And, 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 and so I told one person, okay, I will take a few months to pray. And I'll, I'll see if that's the calling. And and like I said, it wasn't even on my radar, and as I prayed, I realized, yeah, and that's the calling in your life. And I'm like, I, but I won't be good at being a pastor. That's, I'm not good at any of those things. I, again, I saw my dad and all these other great men and women in my life, and I was like, they're great pastors. I'm not going to be a great pastor. And, and God says, just follow me. So I enrolled in Bible college. I went to seminary, and I just, and, and, and now... I can't imagine doing anything else. I really can't. And I mean, yeah, it's just like, but it wasn't even, wasn't even on my radar. But it's when I, when I stopped and spent time with God. And he said, no, this is what I've called you to do. And, that, and, and it's not just that. It goes to every calling of our life. So that happens to be my calling. But I also think about uh, my relationship with Leslie as a, as a husband and and. I wasn't a good husband when we first got married because I, I didn't know, I just, you just don't know a lot when you first get married. 
And guys are dumb. Like, we're just dumb, you know. But again, God teaches us. Yes, <laughs> laughing or amens, I don't care. But anyway, it, it's true. And yet, the closer I am to God, the better husband I'll be. The more I, I listen to God and follow his word, the better husband. Being a dad, don't, didn't know how to be a dad, but here we go. There's boys. And so you stay close to God. Stay close to God, and he will reveal that calling to you. He will teach you how to do what he's called you to do. And so our job for that idea of being called is I've got to create the environment in my life so that I am close to God. Because when I'm close to him, he can lead me, he can teach me. And that's why I want to be careful always what goes in my eyes, what goes in my ears, what goes into my heart. It's like I want to cultivate the presence of God in my life. I want to be in moments like we were in worship today. I want to be in the presence of God to hear his voice. Because in those moments, he's actually changing us. He changed Isaiah. He changed Peter. He changed us today because we were in his presence. And I will be better at my calling for being in his presence. And so I need to cultivate his presence in my life. It's all about relationship, and I've got to be close to him. So I want to be close to him. And when I'm close to him, I'll know my calling. Just as Isaiah knew his calling, Peter knew his calling, we will know our calling. The second word is cleansed. You're not worthy, but yet he makes us worthy. He cleans us up. He makes us Righteous, you are not able to do this on your own. It's not about you making yourself better. It's about God working inside of you. When it's talking about spiritual warfare in Ephesians chapter 6, the Bible says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. So we love that idea of being strong in the Lord, right? I want to be strong. I want to be strong. But it's not being strong in your strength. It's being strong in his mighty power. It's his power that gives you strength. That it's not you doing it, it's God doing it inside of you. And so in this relationship with God, think of it this way. There's an inside part of us and an outside part of us. The inside part of you is God's job. That's not your job. You can't change your heart. You can't, change, you can't do that. He will do that work. The Holy Spirit will do that work. He's the one that's going to do that work inside of you. And if he says in his word you can do it, you can do it. Because he's doing that work inside of you. The inside is God's job. The outside is my job. That's your job. And what's that job? Here am I. Here am I. That's like Isaiah. Here am I. Peter, leaving everything and following Jesus. That's, we are just called to be obedient. That's our job. That's the outside. He does all the work on the inside. We do that outside. And then we are commissioned by God. We're commissioned by him. God uses and blesses those who obey and follow him. When you say, here am I, he will use you. Wherever you work, wherever you go to school, wherever you live, whatever you do, he will use you. But we've got to give God something to work with. We've got to be the ones that raise our hands. We've got to be the one that say, here am I. And I love that he puts that word I at the end, not at the beginning. It's not about us, it's about him. Him, here am I. Send me. God, whatever you need today, send me. God, you're doing a work on the inside of me. I want it. I'm going to give you my outside, whatever you want me to do. Because listen to me, God doesn't want your capability. He wants your availability. 
It's not about what you can do for him. It's just about you raising your hand every day and saying, here am I. Send me to be people of his presence, to allow God to be doing a work on the inside of us so that it spills out all around us. Because I believe as individuals, as a church, in this moment of human history, we are living in a defining moment and we don't even know it. This is a defining moment where we say, here am I. Every day we say, here am I. And we live in the presence of God and we walk with the presence of God and he's doing something that, that then you say, well, I failed in the past. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if your defining moment is a bad defining moment. That was true in Peter's life. He had failed. But when he said, okay, because you say so, Lord. Just do that. Because you say so, Lord. Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me today? You are in a defining moment right now. You have experienced the presence of God this morning in a powerful way. We do not leave these kind of moments unchanged. Do not leave this defining moment closed up. Open your heart to God. Open your heart to his presence. Say to God, here am I. Say to God, because you said so. He's going to use you this week. He's going to use you. To, it's going to change human history. When you say, here am I. Send me. And it may look like the forest has been laid bare, but I want to tell you there's a holy seed that's been planted, and that forest is going to be reborn. That he is working it together for good. You may have failed but God is just looking for you to say, here I am. Lord, today we find ourselves in a defining moment, faced with your word. God, we believe your word is true, and in your word it says that we have been chosen and we have been destined by you. And so, Lord, we realize that that. It's not us who, who clean ourselves up and make us worthy and ready to go. It's you who does the work. And so if you have chosen us and you have destined us, we submit to you. Lord, would your work be done on the inside? Holy Spirit, come inside. Fill us with power and strength. The righteousness of Christ, fill us up. Cleanse us, change us. May we be people of your presence that just know you, God. May that love that comes cast out all fear, all worry, all condemnation. Lord, we are made clean in you, and God, we are commissioned by you. God, all you're looking for is our availability, and so today we say, here am I. Here am I. Because you say so, Lord, we will do it, and we will try again. And we could do it again, and we will do it again. Because God, your word says that you bless those who obey you. And so we're going to obey you, God. We're going to obey your word. 
You're gonna, we're going to obey that still small voice that speaks to us. We're going to obey that calling and that destiny that is on our life. And God, thank you for making us worthy of that calling. And God, thank you for choosing us and loving us. You do it so well. May we share that now, this week, with the world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.